0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's really good to be here with you once again. And we're hoping that today is the last time in which we're going to be broadcasting to you in this fashion. We're hoping that the 14th, next Sunday, is going to be a time when we can all get together and resume church life as normal. So it's very exciting to be able to see this, this whole COVID time coming to an end. And we get to celebrate what it is that we've been doing, what God's been doing, what we've all been doing during this time we've been apart. Well, over this last few weeks, we've been looking at a series called God's Kingdom, looking at what it is that the kingdom of God is all about, looking at parables that start when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like. And we've looked at lots of different topics, and all of them have been shaping this diamond that we know is the kingdom of God. Each, each sermon has been like cutting a face on a diamond to give it something that really resonates and shines with what it is that's on the heart of God. Well, today we're looking at a a parable about a banquet, a wedding banquet. And in this wedding banquet, there's really a summary, if you like, of everything that God is wanting to say to his people, but it's all in the form of a parable of a wedding. You see, with the big picture about what God is about in the time of Christ is that he's saying to the people of Israel, look, you've had your chances, you've had your opportunities, you've been invited, but you've rejected the invitation to be part of my people in the way that I intended. And so I'm going to make room now for the Gentiles. I'm going to invite people who normally would never have been invited into this whole occasion, and in this case, a wedding. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to go through this parable, which illustrates something very familiar to us, a wedding. And in doing so, we're going to see how it is that God has shown his people how he's initiated opportunities for all of us to be invited, to be part of his kingdom, how some people have rejected this, and yet this has made room for others. Uh, In Romans chapter 11, we get to see there that the apostle Paul talks about um, an olive tree which represents Israel. And part of the olive tree has been cut away because people have rejected, the people of God have rejected the things of God. And then Paul goes on to say, that the wild shoots have been grafted in. These are the Gentiles. These are people who were not Jews. And so this parable illustrates this whole mega story of God's goodness, of his judgment, of his love, and his grace. So this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to look at the first two verses, uh, two and three. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Well, immediately you were struck by a very unusual situation. A king and a son having a wedding. That's not unusual. And then the king extends the invitation to people to come and to celebrate his son's joy and the king's good pleasure of seeing his son married but the people refused to come. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that immediately we're seeing something here that is uh, unusual because there's a level of rudeness here towards the king, a level of disrespect towards the king. Uh, but in the context of a Middle Eastern wedding of the day, there were really were two invitations that were extended. The first one went out to people to ask them if they'd be willing to come to the wedding. And once they said, yes, we would, a second invitation would go out to those who had already agreed to say they would come on the basis that now the food is being prepared on this day and the host of the wedding knew exactly how much food to prepare. So it was a two-stage invitation and this allowed for there to be a good provision of the right food at the right time and nothing went to waste. So pretty pretty easy to understand. Uh, But what we're seeing straight away here is that the king who extended the invitation is giving the benefit of the doubt to the people who he first invited. Because they refuse to come, they refuse to respond. And it's a little bit like if I was to send a wedding invitation out to friends to be invited to say one of my my family's weddings, and going, "Mm, this didn't seem to go so well. Maybe the mailman got the invitations lost. Maybe the Facebook message that I sent out didn't work. Maybe the messenger, in this case, got the messages totally confused, and this is why we're in a scenario where the king is saying, I'm going to give this another go. But what we've got to realize, of course, is that to be invited to a wedding is a huge privilege. It's a huge privilege because uh, to be invited is, um, is, is to be acknowledged and to be honored as a, as a person of, of importance in that other person's life. And uh, I know for myself, Michaela, my wife and I, we've invited people to our children's weddings. And it's very challenging, isn't it? Because you've got your immediate family, you want them to come, you've got friends, old friends, new friends, you've got uh, a limited venue, you might have limited resources. And so it's really, really difficult to work out who to ask. And so in this situation, the king has a limit to who he is going to invite, but these folks all turn their back on him and disregard the invitation. So what happens? The king goes down the next track and invites these same folk again. Let's read the next two verses and see how this works out. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Amen. Well, we get the sense of immediacy now because the king has sent these servants off, saying, "Listen, the food is ready, and I know you didn't respond last time, but I'm just giving you the benefit of the doubt. That's called grace. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt on the basis that this invitation that I'm giving you is an exceptional invitation. It's to dine at the king's palace. It's to celebrate the wedding feast of the sun. And so everything's prepared, the best food is laid on, and now I'm expecting you to come. But they don't care. They're too busy going about their own business, literally going off and working in their fields, ignoring the fact that there's this great celebration going on that they've been invited to. Furthermore, there are people going off and just carrying on their own matters of business, maybe opening their shops, maybe working at their trades. And in doing so, They're just completely disregarding what has been a gracious invitation from the king, a very self-centered attitude, you'd say. And why would you reject the invitation from someone who is supposedly a king, a king who seems to be gracious enough to include everyday people in the celebrations of his family? So this king doesn't come across as a mean, nasty, uh, hard-hearted guy, but rather somebody who's wanting to embrace and include and have a celebration here. And you think, wow, that rejection's really bad, but guess what? It gets worse. So let me read to you from Matthew twenty-two verses six to seven. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Wow, this has gone from. Bad has gone from insulting to murder. It's gone from bad to worse. I don't think it gets any worse than this. The level of escalation there, uh, a simple invitation from a, a king to people to come and attend a wedding. And of course, this is where the story gets interesting because, of course, this is not about a wedding. It's a parable. It's a parable. It's a metaphor. It's an illustration that describes the relationship that God has with his nation Israel, his people Israel. And of course, this wedding is really an invitation to come and be a part of the celebrations of what it means to be the people of God. And the king's son, whom we know as Jesus, has come into a time where he wants to be celebrated for what it is that he brings as he fuses together God's kingdom with the people whom he's called to bring together as one. And so here we find what the the true meaning of this whole parable is about. Here, Jesus is describing the relationship that God has with the people of Israel. He's saying, listen, I've invited you to the best thing that I can bring to you. But you've rejected me not only once, you've rejected me twice. And in fact, you've rejected me many times, even to the point where the servants that I've sent, the prophets, the priests, the leaders that I've sent to you, you have killed them. They have been my messengers inviting you into something wondrous, something beautiful, but you have killed them. And so therefore, because of this, you have suffered judgment over the years. And Israel's history is full of these stories of God's judgment coming upon them because of their bad behavior. But this is also a story, of course, that looks forward. And we know that 40 years after Jesus' ministry, that Jerusalem and the temple which was beautifully built by Herod gets destroyed and the nation of Israel is totally ruined 40 years after this time when Jesus speaks. And so what we find here is that this this wedding now is is over, isn't it? Well, it appears to be over. If you've uh if you if instead of having a feast you've got bloodshed and murder, well I would say that the wedding feast is over. But it's not. And this is the surprise. Why Why would it not be over? Well, it's not over because the wedding feast still has the intention of its original purpose. The intention of the wedding still maintains its original purpose. And that is to celebrate the son, to celebrate the goodness of the king. Just because people who were invited rejected it, murdered people, that doesn't take away the heart and the intention of the invitation and so Jesus is trying to describe this to us in such a way that reminds us that our behaviors are our behaviors. God's choices, God's grace is still his grace. And so we find ourselves now looking at this, this king and the son saying, hey, you're, you're gracious now. Your graciousness now is way beyond anything that we would have ever imagined. It's a, it's a kindness that reflects something bigger than what we would normally see at a human level, at a human response. So this this invitation from the king is something we look at and we go, okay, he wants to carry on with the wedding, but who is he going to invite? Who is he going to invite? He's invited his nearest, his dearest, his closest. In this case, the nation of Israel, people who have been in a covenant relationship with him for centuries. And again, they've rejected him. So let's look at the scriptures and we find out who gets invited. And this is where the story starts to get really, really interesting. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 8 to 10. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Amen. The wedding hall was filled with guests. So the king got his wedding, the son got the ceremony, but the people who were gathered were from everywhere. Go out into the highways and the byways is what some of your your Bibles would be saying based on your translation. But here the servants are told to go out into the streets and we're told that they brought in the poor, people who would normally be rejected. Uh, we're told that they bring in those who are unwell. We, we see people who are from def- different nations. We see people who are uh, criminals. And we pick this up in Luke's Gospel. where He does a very similar uh, record, takes a very similar record of what Matthew records here. So the diversity of people around this table now is mind-blowing. It's not just the nation of Israel. It's not just the righteous. It's not those who have specialized in cleaning the outside of the cup, so to speak. But these are people who have been rejected by the nation over years. These are the people whom God's people have said are not worthy. And guess what? These people are you and me. Because of this wedding feast, because of the nation of Israel rejecting their God, rejecting their king, rejecting his son, this has allowed us, the Gentiles, to be grafted into this story. And we don't have to have it all together to qualify. What we need to do is just to simply say yes, and we're allowed to come into this wedding feast. So it's a, it's an amazing picture, isn't it? A real shocking picture in many respects, because it shows who it is that's allowed to actually be part of the kingdom. In the book of Acts, we get to see this outwork time and time again. We find the uh, the Samaritan people are being told that they can come into the kingdom. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews because they had all their theology and doctrine all wrong. So, so, so these are the people who who didn't think about God correctly. They were invited in. And then we find that uh, Philip, who was one of the disciples, uh, he he has a conversation with an Ethiopian eunuch, okay, so somebody of different nation, different color, different religion, uh, obscure sexuality to say the least, and Philip baptizes him. Wow, this is the banquet being outworked. And then Peter talks to Cornelius' household, a Roman centurion. Somebody who, again, was far away from the kingdom of God politically, but God caused him to have a revelation of who God is as the Holy Spirit fell upon his household. And so, once again, the banquet hall of the kingdom, the wedding feast of the kingdom, is being filled up again. And we get told that anyone is allowed to come. The invitation is open. And this is a picture, isn't it? of the beauty of the grace of the kingdom of God. When we are asked and invited by Jesus, we don't have to stop and look at ourselves and measure ourselves as to whether we're good enough or not. And so here we have a wonderful end to the story of the banquet, but it's not the end. There's a twist in the tale of the story. And this is something that, uh, that gets us all by surprise, but you will see why it's a necessary twist And uh, let's have a look now at Matthew chapter 22, verses 11 to 13. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Amen. Well, it seems that there were standards there, after all. Anybody could come. But you are, after all, going to the king's palace. You are, after all, going to the king's son's wedding. And so, therefore, out of the privilege and out of the responsibility that you have now upon you to attend this, uh, the king is saying, look... um, Don't just step all over my grace. Don't treat this like some sort of cheap meal, some some sort of uh, throwaway dinner. This is not what it's about. You're invited, but this invitation, this grace, is going to change you. Some years ago, many years ago now, when I was living over in the UK, um, friends of ours got to go to a garden party at Buckingham Palace and uh, they got all dressed up and off they went. And I said to them after they returned, you know, I said, how did you get to go to the Buckingham Palace Garden Party? And they said, oh, it was easy. We invited ourselves. Well, how does that work? Well, they said, we, we, write, we write to um, the, the, the chief steward who looks after the Queen's affairs. And we say, at the next garden party, can we be invited please? And so we were duly sent an invitation. But in the invitation, we were told how it is that we should dress, uh, how we should arrive, how long we're allowed to stay, et cetera, et cetera. And so I thought, well, this is a really interesting invitation, isn't it? You invite yourself on the basis of the fact that you're invited. Uh, But there's only one condition, really. You've got to wear the right clothes. Out of what? Out of respect for the fact that you have received an invitation based upon you asking for that invitation to be sent to you. And this is very much what this parable is about, isn't it? Very much what the kingdom of God is about. We've been told by God that we can invite ourselves to be part of the wedding feast. And when the invitation is extended, when we turn up, we should be treating that with respect. So this grace, this favour, this undeserved favour, should be treated with respect. Um, and, And this... Little slogan that I've got here for you to see says, Our response to God and His grace determines whether we're worthy of this grace or not. Now, that sounds like a bit of a convoluted statement. But um, let me me put it in a really simple way. Imagine if a, um, a wealthy father bought his teenage son a very expensive vehicle. How would we know? Whether that son was worthy of such a gift, well, it would be all about the way that he respected the gift. If he went out and uh, smashed, trashed, and crashed that vehicle, uh, treated it like a uh, you know a mobile pizza booze joint on wheels, uh, didn't look after it, just drove it crazy, smashed into things, you'd say the gift was given, but he was not worthy of it, and so. The illustration that Jesus uses about the parable and the man who wasn't dressed well is a very powerful one and a very appropriate one, isn't it? Because it tells us that he took the invitation up. He was happy to eat at this table of grace, eat in the king's presence, eat in the presence of the son, but he just disregarded it. He had no respect for it at all. And, um, and so I think that's a huge illustration to us about what grace is all about. You see, the grace of God will transform your life. And if your response to grace isn't transformational, then you haven't responded to the grace in the way that God wants you to. And thereby uh, disregarding God's grace, you effectively ask yourself to be uninvited from the king's table. And so once again, the very simple nature of this story, talking about a wedding, is loaded with history, loaded with stories that we can relate to, but loaded with profound understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You see, the kingdom of God is an open invitation. It's an open invitation for all of us to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an open invitation for every one of us to come into the king's presence, to dine at his table, to celebrate the good things that his son Jesus has given to us. At the same time, we don't, cheat, we don't treat this cheaply. We don't turn this into a cheap grace, but rather a wonderful grace. And so I'm going I'm to finish here because this, uh, this story is, um, is complete in itself. But uh, by way of finishing, um, I'm going to just draw you in to my family life a little bit. You see, last weekend, uh, our eldest daughter, Brittany, got married to Nick, And um, for me, for my wife, in these unusual times, it was a a fantastic event to be part of, a time of celebration, a time when we could invite just a few close family members because of the the number limitation that we had. And we got to celebrate um, the, 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 the marriage of our eldest daughter to Nick. And it was a wonderful occasion. And I'm very pleased to say, of course, that uh, everybody who's invited attended and uh, we got to celebrate in the best possible way. So I'm just going to leave you now um, with a few photographs of that day that allow you to see just how special a wedding is and remind you once again of the beauty of the wedding and the beauty of this parable and all that it means to us as we're invited to the King's table.